Uh, anybody that got the email might know I have an idea of what I'm going to be talking about today. But uh, I'm going to start off by saying we're going to be talking about rust. Anybody here, have I show of hands, ever seen rust before? Yeah, look at that. Almost every single hand went up. And the ones that didn't probably weren't paying attention. Okay? Rust is something that we see all over the place. It starts to happen on metal. Metal starts off with this beautiful, shiny. You ever seen a brand new like, piece of metal freshly out? It's like super shiny. There's some, some tradespeople who are probably like, yeah. To me, it's beautiful to see a fresh piece of metal. Nice and shiny and ready to go. But what happens is that over time, metal starts to rust. Right? This beautiful thing, <clears throat> shiny, attractive to the eyes, hard not to look at, begins to rust. And it loses its glow. And see, it doesn't always start off that way. But over time, the elements that it's exposed to start to deteriorate the metal. One of the biggest things that creates rust is water and salt. Right, oftentimes if you ever go by the coasts, you'll see some old abandoned ships that have rusted away. You'll see these huge, like, steel chains that have rust all over them because there's so much water in the air, the humidity, as well as they're right on the coast where there's a ton of salt and salt water. So it deteriorates the metal. Now, I'm not just talking about rust for you guys because I wanted to sound really smart. Because if I was doing that, I'm not doing a very good job. Because really, I don't know the whole science behind it, but I know that there is a reflection with rust that we can compare ourselves to. Rusty metal to our rusty hearts. See, as time goes on, metal deteriorates. Car, they have this beautiful coated paint over top of it that prevents it from rusting. And if you maintain that by taking it to car washes and washing it regularly, it's going to slow down the process of it rusting. It's actually going to keep it this nice shiny color. If you store it in the wintertime, these really nice cars, cover it up, right? It's going to help prevent rust. And if rust does start to occur, you have to go and do things to it. I don't know fully know what you would do with a car. Right? You start to sand it and repaint it, and you make it look good again so it doesn't continue to rust. In order to not have a rusty car, you need to maintain it. Well, in the same way, in our hearts, we need to maintain it as well. Because over time, if left unchecked, we'll begin to rust. We'll become hardened. And I don't know about you, but the last couple of years have been tough. The last couple of years have been a couple of tough years. In fact, you know what? If I'm honest, my heart has become very, very hard. It's become very, very rusted to say over the last couple of years. Through COVID, there's been all, all these restrictions, ups, down, left, right. And in fact, what happens is instead of dealing with it and maintaining things by going to Christ, I've actually just numbed myself and pretended that the rust wasn't starting to occur. And maybe I'm alone in this one, but I think there might be some people in this congregation 
that also have began to have some rusty hearts. There's a story that kind of sparked this whole message that I'm preaching out of. And you can find that in Mark 7, verses 1 to 5. Okay, Mark 7, verses 1 to 5, and we're going to go on later on to reach 17 to 23. This is what it says. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees at this point. He says, One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived and from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of washing hands before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they are immersed, they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow the age-old traditions? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you when he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own traditions. So starting with that, just to kind of base this, he goes on and continues to talk about these things. But if you turn over to verse 17, we're going to go there, skip ahead a little bit. It says, then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what, the, what he meant by the parable he just used. He said, don't you understand either? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. In other words, we all know what that means. By saying this, he declares, that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, and all these vile things come from Within, they are what defile you. It's our hearts that lead to destruction. Our, our hearts are so important to, to protect because it's from within that leads to these things. Some people might see someone acting this way and be like, look at them. They are clearly, but actually, it's not the action Right? And if we read in the scriptures also, it's not, it's people like, oh, well, I haven't committed adultery. Well, have you looked at a woman lustfully with your eyes? Well, yes, then you've already committed adultery. Because it's not necessarily the action that defiles us. But it's what's inside first. So it's important that we make sure our hearts do not become rusted to the word of God. It's important that our hearts do not become rusted to what God is calling us to, to be holy, 
to be righteous, to be pure. More important to check our hearts and what's going on internally before we do things externally. We don't want to be a bunch of whitewashed tombs. But you know, in this passage, it shares a couple things for what leads, what we're to look out for. You see, as time goes on, if we, if we allow these things to come into our lives, we don't just start off having lustful thoughts. We don't off, start off just thinking about these things. We've slowly allowed them in, but oftentimes these things come from places that we might not think of. I'm just going to list a few things, and maybe, maybe your heart became rusted from these things. Hurt. We can get hurt easily and harden our hearts. Unforgiveness. By choosing not to forgive someone, we can harden our hearts. Pain. Anger. We hold on to anger. I'm frustrated. But then you're telling me, but Pastor Bryce, you don't know the person I'm thinking about. They are, they, they make me angry. Woo, if you saw them, you'd be angry too. Well, there's a difference between righteous anger and you just being frustrated with someone and choosing to let it go. We can choose to be angry. Fear. Fear. We can choose to live in fear. And as we allow fear to dwell in our hearts, it shadows the truth of God. We are not to fear. How many times can you find that out in Scripture? It was once told to me, and some of the youth may have heard this many times from me, but someone told me once, fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. Fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. And if we allow fear in our hearts, we're starting to rust. Hatred. Do you hate anybody in your life? Have you held on to that anger and it's led to hatred? Bitterness. Trauma. Trauma can be led with unforgiveness. Have you faced things in your lives? All of these things unchecked. All of these things unchecked can lead to things. When we leave these unchecked for too long, it can create bigger issues. We start to linger on these things and allow them to rust our hearts. And we start to form things outwardly because we've allowed them first inwardly. Is this making sense to you guys? It's a bit of a heavy one to be talking about, but I really feel like it's important. We, but by, if we don't choose to give it to Jesus and allow him to work and wash our hearts and do maintenance on our hearts, what can happen is we start to formulate our own ways of dealing with them. We start to form our own ways of dealing with anger, hurt, unforgiveness, pain, fear, hatred, trauma, and, the, and I can tell you, these things will be at work temporarily. But I'm going to tell you also, they often lead to creating idols. We start to form idols in our lives that we turn to instead of God. We turn to these things that are comfortable for us 
instead of Jesus. I'm feeling uncomfortable, so I turn to a sexual sin. I feel uncomfortable. I'm just going to choose to be angry at that person, and you know what's right? It's, it's justified. I'm going to work more because then I don't have to deal with my pain. I'm lonely. So I'm always going to be around people and never alone because then I don't ever have to deal with the fact that I actually have to deal with my loneliness. may seem like little things. And I, I could probably create, create a bigger list with time of idols that we create that may seem like, that's oh, my little crutch. I go to the gym because I'm uncomfortable with who I am. Or it's to help deal with the pain that I once felt. Don't get me wrong. All these things aren't necessarily bad things as well. It's not bad to go to the gym and work out. It's not bad to work hard. In fact, that can be a good thing. But when you choose to do that, instead of giving it to Jesus, create these idols in our lives. There's a passage in Ezekiel 14 where Ezekiel is is approached and he's talking to um, the leaders of Israel. And, And they come before him for requests and help and, and guidance. And this is what it says. Some, then some of the leaders of Israel visited me. And while they were sitting with me, this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that will make them fall into sin. Why should I listen to their requests? Tell them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts and have fallen into sin. And then they go to the prophet asking for a message. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. I will do this to capture their minds and hearts and of all my people who have turned from me to worship their detestable idols. Therefore, tell the people of Israel, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Repent. Wow. Repent and turn away from your idols and stop all your detestable sins. I, the Lord, will answer all those, both Israelites and foreigners, who reject me and set up idols in their hearts and so fall into sin. And who then come to a prophet asking for my advice, I will turn against such people and make a terrible example of them, eliminating them from among my people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. All right, first of all, this sounds really, really harsh, what he's saying. And to break it down, God doesn't like idols. But these people had allowed idols to come into their hearts. They had turned to these idols instead of God, and they're wondering, well, well, why can't I hear? And I think in our church, we sometimes idolize certain things. We go to the pastors and say, pastor, 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 I need help. Well, then the pastor tries to help you. Or you go to another one of your Christian friends and you say, I need help, I need help, I need help. 
And you're like, okay, and they try and help you, but you refuse to deal with the idol, the thing in your life that you need to deal with. So instead of going directly to God, yourself, which we all have the ability to, you instead turn to someone else. You need our brothers and sisters. But deal with the idol that's at mind, at heart. What is that that hinders you from your relationship with Jesus? He's forgiving. He's graceful. All in that moment, you just have to come, God, sorry. I've made an idol in my life. I've gone to this instead of you. When I was in Bible college, I had a friend really call me out once. I always went to people. Always. I would go, I would have an issue that at hand, and I'd be like, all right, I got this problem. I need to, I need to deal with this. Uh, and, then, and then I would always discuss it and bring it. And then finally, one of my friends was like, Bryce, let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you think that maybe you need to start going to God before you go to people. Do you think that maybe you come to people? Never before have I ever felt so convicted. Because I realized people might give me what I want. But Jesus is going to point out with the gift of the Holy Spirit what I need to change. And oftentimes... We don't want to change those things. Because they're hard. Nobody likes to change the hard things in our lives. They're difficult, uncomfortable. But Jesus wants to take those things. He's not coming in with a whip and saying, you're a terrible person. And that. But he's going to come and he say, hey, see this. I see this problem in your life. Give it to me. It's, it's, it's causing you to stumble. It's causing you more pain than help. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Bring it to Jesus. As much as sometimes it's helpful to bring it up with people, Jesus is the one that changes our hearts. Holy Spirit, when we welcome it in, changes our hearts. It starts to grind away at the rust that we've built up on our own hearts from allowing little idols, little things into our lives. You need to learn to go to Jesus first, then as he directs, you go to others. Say that again. You need to learn to go first to Jesus first and go to others as he directs. You might start to notice hearts become more clean. I come, I come in this not, not, and I know it's a heavier, it's not my, I'm a goofy person, but today I want to come with you seriously because I think our hearts are seriously ill, including my own. Over the last couple of years, I have built so many idols that I lean on 
instead of God. I have put so much rust over my heart that I've become numb at times to Jesus and the working of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that I'm probably not alone in this congregation that maybe I've allowed hurt. I've allowed pain. I've allowed things that have happened in my life over the course of the last two or three years to infect my heart. I've left them unchecked for too long. Psalm 51. This is what it says. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone, I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. Your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But but you desire honesty from the womb. Teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stains of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Do no, you do not desire a sacrifice, I would, or else I would be one. You do not want burnt offerings. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken, repentant heart. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices, offerings, the right spirit with burnt offerings, whole burnt offerings, and bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Listen to David's heart. Purify me, O Lord. Purify my heart. Return to me my joy of salvation. Today's message for two different crowds. One. People who have been believers their whole lives. And rust has built and been unchecked. That you've become numb because you've been part of this whole church thing your whole life. That you've become numb to the things that God actually wants to do. That the Spirit wants to do because you're like, well, I come to church. I listen to Pastor Mike every week. I do my devotions here and there. 
But God wants to do more. He wants to do a work in you. Unseal your lips. So that we can lead other people who have gone astray back to him. Purify my heart, O Lord. Search in me. God wants to do something even more than just building this church up. Filling this this room with people of repentant hearts. Of repentance. People who have grown up in the church need to remember this. Church here isn't just for us. It's for everyone. And we are the people that need to go and be correcting ourselves before the Lord so that when we go to others, they see. They see that glowing metal, not the rusty heart. There's going to be tint still because none of us are perfect. But as we continuously go before Jesus, I don't know about you, but I want to have a pure heart. I've messed up. I've gone too long not checking my heart. I've let unforgiveness dwell in my heart for too long when Jesus says we are called to forgive because we have been forgiven of much. Clean my heart, O Lord. Purify me so that I can be someone who preaches your word. Someone who leaves this building and shines, not because of what I do, but because what he has done for me. That's the one group talking to. Second group are people that are on the fence, and there may be people listening online. And maybe you, you, you've never actually given your heart to Jesus, and, but you've been feeling, and you've, maybe that you've, you've, by listening to this, you're all of a sudden realizing, maybe I do have something I lean on. I want to invite you to say, Jesus, I want to lean on you. Clean my heart. Be that person that comes to that place of repentance and says, Jesus, I messed up. That's okay. Here's my heart. Is Jesus wants your heart. He wants all of it. He wants us to not only confess with our mouth, There's people in here today that maybe need to experience the cleansing and the the joy of salvation that he offers. Feel free and and, and wipe your heart. White as snow. Sins have been washed white as snow. Beauty that we are singing that today as well. We're not stuck with an unclean heart. But we have to choose to lay it before Jesus. And so the beauty that we have today is we are going to be taking communion. I chose to have it at the end of this because I believe communion is a thing not just to be quickly taken and be like, it's in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. And as we talk about the heart today, as we talk about where we are, we are to honestly go before Jesus while we take communion as, as a body of Christ, as believers, and say, Jesus, I remember. And though my, my heart is stained, choose to remember that you are the one who 
purifies me. You are the one who died for me so that I may be washed white as snow. So right now, I don't have a really timeless right here. Oh, he is there. Oh, perfect. What I want to do is I want, if you can just play for a few moments, and I want to actually have a time of reflection before we even go into communion and, and just think about what was, was talked about and ask God, where is my heart? Maybe this will be the first time in a while that you have actually gone before Jesus and said, you know what? Where's my heart? Look at my heart, Jesus, and show me where the rust is. Where do I have unforgiveness that I've allowed into my heart? Where do I have hurt? Where do I have pain? Where do I have uh, all these emotions that I haven't given to you? Search your heart. And I want to really challenge you this morning. What parts have you not given to Jesus that are holding you back? Stop. I want that. Just give it to me. Stop suffering. Stop hurting. Stop hurting because my heart is just. Take a moment right now. I'm doing the same thing myself because my heart is just as rusty as anybody else in this room. Just that time to reflect with him right now. Ask him to show you parts of your heart. beautiful to sit in the silence to sit before the Lord to give him that time to allow him to work but not only that the, even more, what makes it even more beautiful if you look around the room you see your brothers and sisters need of Jesus, that they've gone through different pains. We are all in need of Jesus just as much as anybody else. We can have the appearance of perfection, but none of us will ever succeed. All we do is end up looking like a bunch of whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, dirty and dead on the inside. I don't know about you, but I don't, I, I'm, I'm fed up with being dead on the inside. 
I don't want to have the appearance of perfection. I want to have the appearance of Christ. I want to reflect Him through my imperfections. Allow me to boast in my imperfections that Jesus can work through me. He wants to do the same with you guys. He wants to he wants to shine through your imperfections. He doesn't call us he calls us to be perfect like he is perfect. Yes. And that means we have to be reflections of who he is. How do we do that? Well, we get in his word. We spend time in silence with him, not only here on Sunday but daily. Those secret places. Stop trying to be perfect. It's never going to happen. But seek out His perfection. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to help others. Can I, I say look around. I don't know exactly how many people are here this morning, but we have the body of Christ. And how many people are online? the body of Christ. We get to uplift one another. We get to walk with each other. We get to empower each other. We get to help each other through our imperfections because what I'm imperfect in, what I really suck at, someone else in this room is amazing at. And that's awesome. I may be the voice, but other people are the feet. Other people are the ears, other people are the hands, other people are the arms, other people are the ligaments. We're all different parts of the body. Some people are going to be like, what are you talking about this body for? It means we can't function without each other. Jesus is what molds us all together. And so now after a time reflection, I want us to take communion together. In Matthew 26, 26, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Let us partake together. he took a cup when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness for the forgiveness sins let us partake together
Now, this isn't, this was kind of not, well, it wasn't planned, but I feel I want to add it to the service. And maybe it's been a while since we've done something like this. But I want, I want to continue to have people look around, but I want you to turn to someone because we are the body. We just talked about forgiveness in our heart. And, it, and I, I really believe God wants to empower us to be with each other and empower each other in the body. And what I want us to do right now is I want you to turn to your neighbor, turn to someone near you, and I want you to ask what you can pray for them for. I want you to ask and give them a moment to actually talk to that person and pray with them because we are the body of Christ. We are. If you're uncomfortable being too close, you can keep your distance still too. At home, if you know someone online, turn to the people in your living room or turn, maybe phone someone after this and just say, hey, I just want to pray with you. Ask God who that is and, and people online, just allow God to show you what that looks like in your homes. But in here today, I want to empower you to pray with each other. Turn to your neighbor. This might be uncomfortable for you because maybe you're like, I've never prayed for someone out loud before or at least it's been a while. But I believe God wants to empower us to pray. God wants to empower us to encourage each other. So let's take that right now and do that together. taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.